another episode of The Final Call here on Radio Massive Soyet. Episode number 44, Ben Mamaritas, man with the easy name in the Zoom, Mr. Jason Snow, Andrew Fantuccio here. Coming up on this episode, some early Super Bowl predictions. We'll talk about Game 5, the NBA Finals tonight, but first, COVID. COVID in the NFL, and I think this segment, what really... The theme throughout this segment is going to be fairness. What's fair? What is justified? What's the best course of action? And how? what's the fairest way to get there? So, guys, Broncos-Patriots is now scheduled for Monday. Titans-Bills scheduled for Tuesday after both the Patriots and Titans have had positive tests for COVID. Um, is it fair to have either the Patriots or Titans play those games without either of those teams being able to practice for almost a week? Um. Let me just start by saying that COVID sucks. Like this whole situation just sucks. And hot take, Ben. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's annoying because you know we kind of expected this to happen with, you know, there's no bubble. This was going to happen. But to answer your question, is it fair? Not exactly, but is it kind of what needs to be done? Yeah. Like we can't. We can't. The NFL doesn't want to pause the season. It just doesn't. And we want to keep these games moving along. And in order to do that, there needs to be protocols in place. Now, with the Titans and the Bills, you know, they got to play. I mean, like I said, I think this season is going to be kind of like it usually ends in early February. It's probably going to go until March or April. With the NBA, it paused the season, and then we now we're still in the NBA Finals. I hope it doesn't go that far, but I, I just think that this is – it was inevitable. It was inevitable that this is going to happen. And to answer your question, though, it's not fair, but it's kind of the hand that we've been dealt. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not fair. But I'm going to do something that a lot of people haven't done, is I'm going to give props to Major League Baseball for not necessarily being rigid on their schedule. And – the NFL, I feel like, is being pretty rigid. They know right now that they value TV revenue more than gate receipts. They know, they know that their bread is buttered on the TV screen. And like <laughs> Thursday night, right? Brett Rippon versus Sam Darnold. The battle of the hopeless, the battle of the winless, the battle of two terrible teams right now. You know how people sat down and watched that? You know how many people? Five point four million people in America sat down on their couch on a Thursday night and watched that garbage. Five point four million people. So they the NFL knows people are gonna watch, especially that's why they didn't they didn't postpone the, the Kansas City Chiefs and, and New England Patriots last week um further than they did. They knew twelve point six million people were gonna watch that because of Mahomes, even without Cam Newton. And it wasn't fair to the Patriots. They didn't give him a fair shake. But they knew eyes were going to be on Mahomes, so let the game play on. Exactly. If if, if that matchup is is Jacksonville versus Arizona, I think they they <laughs> they cancel it further than you know twelve hours later. But you know to get back to your, your main point, Andrew, no, it's not fair. And and I think to be totally smart in this and, and to handle it the right way and and to prioritize the health of the players and the the, the health of the staff and the refs and, and everyone involved. Sure, maybe the schedule does have to go into early March, mid-March, whatever the case may be. If we can avoid someone having a heart condition be- like uh, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Boston Red Sox, I know cases like that are few and far between, but if we can avoid the mere chance of that, that's worth postponing a game a couple weeks, 
maneuvering around the schedule. Just don't be so rigid. That That's just my whole thing. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, you're taking it to a whole another level. And I, I just thought about like, is it fair to have a team that hasn't practiced or hasn't been in the facility for two weeks, go out and play a game? No, when you can't install a game plan, when guys who might possibly have injuries haven't been able to go to see trainers or have any sort of therapy to work on injuries, and especially with such a depleted roster, right? We don't know yeah. who on the Titans has COVID. We just know that there's a lot of guys who have COVID, both players and coaches. What if this is, you know, Derrick Henry? What if this is Kevin Byard? What if this is Jadavian Clowney, right? Then their backup has to step up and get ready for a game against a really good team, the Buffalo Bills, but has no time to prepare for it other than just Zoom meetings. And obviously, we'll get more into how the Titans have really been handling this because I think the re- how poorly Tennessee's handled this is the big is the only reason why we're discussing really pushing the schedule further into March and further into the year. But not only just for the teams who have COVID, but how about their opponents? The Bills and the Broncos, the Steelers were upset that their game got against the Titans got re, uh, rescheduled. And it's creating a whole domino effect across the league. Is this is rescheduling the games fair to the opponents and other teams in the league? This is a tough question. None of it's fair. None of it's fair. But you know, for the for, it was incredibly convenient for the Chiefs to for the Patriots not to have their starting quarterback and have all those players on the defense opt out for COVID reasons. And it's in it's very convenient for the Bills to be playing a team that hasn't practiced in two weeks. So you know, it's I don't know if fair is the right word. It's definitely more convenient. Like they definitely have an edge in these games. And I think about, but like going forward now, because look at the Bills. They have oh, a I game. Know. They have a, like they're supposed to play now Tuesday, and then turn around and I think I play a Thursday night game against the Chiefs. I know, and that's kind of why I was getting to the point where it's like, okay. it's convenient for them, but then they're on a short week. Like uh, the Patriots have a shorter week now. The bills are going to have a short week. Like you just mentioned, it's, it's not fair for anyone, but it's kind of the hand that we've been dealt and we just have to kind of roll with the punches and, you know, to kind of build on this basketball and baseball are games where you can, you don't need to nest like not as much preparation and practice needs to go into baseball and basketball as football. Football is the most football is like you need to prepare the most for football. Right? Football is the most detailed sport where you need to practice all the time. So when you take that away, like it it just ruins it ruins your team's chances. Yeah, Ben, you brought up an interesting word in the word convenient. And I would say it's the opposite of convenient. I think, especially for the opponents facing uh, COVID riddled teams, because if you think about it, Cam Newton, Saturday afternoon, I remember where I was, uh, undisclosed location. Let's just say it was, it was great. Um, <laughs> I know exactly where I was I when even, I saw the news. I don't even want to know. <laughs> uh, Cam Newton comes down with COVID. I got the notification on my phone, kind of freaked out for a minute and, and had my little fangirl moment. I was a little, I was worried, but then I was like, okay, well they're going to postpone the game for like 12 hours later than it should have been. All right. That's a little odd. And then the day after the game, 
oh, news comes out. Stefan Gilmer was, was close with Cam Newton a couple days before he got COVID. And what do you know? Tuesday morning, headline news, Stefan Gilmore has COVID-19. But Stefan Gilmore played in the game nine hours earlier. Yep. So if you're an opponent that was, that was handling these protocols correctly, and I'm not saying the Patriots weren't and Cam wasn't and Stefan Gilmore wasn't, but if you're an opponent who has like no COVID you know, in your team, in your facility at all, and then you go ahead and face these teams <laughs> injury riddled, and all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes is dapping up Stefan Gilmore after the game. That's the opposite of convenient. Are you kidding me? Cancel the game. Save your team. Save <laughs> save your star. Save the face of the, like that's the opposite of convenient. If anything, if I'm the if I'm the Chiefs and I have to see the uh, see the Titans in a couple of weeks down the road, I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to play that one. I don't not want to. I don't want to be anywhere near that. Get get Mahomes. So we'll start Matt Moore, or whoever whoever's the backup. We'll we'll start anyone else except Mahomes in that one. So I think it's the opposite of convenient in that fashion. Is it fair to say the league and maybe even the players as well have been cavalier about going through the season? Yes, especially with the Titans. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there were reports that, um, you know, the front office and coaching staff for the Tennessee Titans was not really following mass guidelines and it was kind of an open rule right it's it's just a stupid situation it's a stupid situation if you're the tennessee titans well let's focus on the titans for a little bit the reports saying the titans could be facing punishment more severe than what the patriots received for deflate gate and possibly they could even be forced to forfeit games now ben i want to ask you this question first before i do please don't give me a homer answer here <laughs> Is it fair for the Titans to have, get a more severe punishment than a million-dollar fine and the loss of two draft picks? Considering that the Patriots never did anything wrong in the first place. Um, oh, no, 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 you're, you're done. Bet, Jason, your answer? Ben you, had, ben, you had your chance. Oh, my God. But Andrew, you knew that was coming. Come on. I know, but just I wanted to see if he could do it. Um, Obviously, he can't. I think that's worthy. I, I think... Mm. But at the same time, you could be following it. You could be following the procedures and, and still get it. I don't know. I think, did you hear the story that there were like a couple of Titans players working out at a local high school? Did you hear yes. that report? Yep. yep. That I think might've been the tip of the iceberg. Cause if it was just, you know, we're, we're wearing our mask. It just, it was inevitable. It, we just got it right. We were following it. Virus is pretty unpredictable at this moment. We just got it. I think the league would be a little bit more forgiving. And, and, but then it's like, oh, the, the facility was closed. So we went to a high school. Why'd you go? They're like, <laughs> you, you know, kids are, you know, playing out there. Like, why would you go to, a, I don't know. It just didn't make sense. But to answer the big picture question about is the league being too cavalier? I think maybe, because if you look at major league baseball in the NBA, especially the NBA, coaches aren't necessarily wearing masks all the time. It, it it's just pretty laid back, but that you didn't get to see the whole behind the scenes strenuous work. Like I feel like the NFL just, just kind of took it for granted in a way they kind of took for granted the, the holes and potential guidelines and things like that. So maybe they're being, I think they are being a little cavalier, um, but a, uh, not a suspension, a punishment kind of like what the Patriots faced it is worth it. If they're just being, you know, reckless. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's not they should be punished and they should be much more severe than what the Patriots got. You know? And but it's not because they the Titans contracted coronavirus. It's because they contracted coronavirus, knew about it, 
and then were reckless and irresponsible and continued to have it spread throughout their organization. Yep. That's where the punishment's coming in because putting the rest of the league at risk. And so, Ben, I know you were going with this. Yeah, it, I agree with you. It is fair. You know, the Patriots cheated, but that what they got was only for cheating. So I hope what the Titans get for this, for putting themselves and the rest of the league at, in danger, I hope they get a more severe punishment. You know, they put their, their people's lives at risk. They put people's health and safety at risk. It's, you know, and it's messing up the, 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 the entire course of the season, frankly, not just for them, but for other teams. What the, Patriots, what the Patriots did only really affected them and the Colts. Right. Right. And I, I mean, I still think the Patriots would have won that AFC championship game regardless, but they, it only affected those two teams. The Titans are affecting themselves, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs, the entire AFC, and potentially the entire NFL. Yeah. So, yeah, the Titans are reckless. They should be punished more severe than this. And forfeiting games, I don't know. I think that one's going too far. I don't think wins and losses and the outcome and standings of, of the season, that should only be determined by what happens on the field. But obviously the schedule is getting messed up now. Things are not going to go according to plan, the original course. How is this going to affect the playoffs, future standings, the structure, and how would you – what would you guys – play commissioner right now. Be Roger Goodell. How would you fix this season? How would you reschedule these games? I would – now, this logistically, I don't know if it would happen, but in my perfect world, what I would do is probably put Titans games on hold – until it's all clear. And, and that's, a tall, that's a tall task to ask. But if I just say, you know what, Titans, we're going to wipe you off the schedule for the time being. And, and whatever team you're facing is going to get a bye that week. And that, if that happens to be like two teams get a bye, like teams get two byes in a season, then, then so be it. And we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I can't afford to have players that we, like it hasn't been disclosed, obviously, but players that we don't know their interactions we don't know how serious they're taking this we can't i can't afford to have my my face of the league or or majority of teams contracting this in in a reckless manner i can't afford it but if i'm the commissioner i'm taking these tests these tests more seriously because there's been a lot of news in professional sports about these like two-day tests and they get they test and then two days later, they get the results. And, and it's not fully all the way accurate because of how quick it is. But the leagues like the quick turnaround, obviously. They like to get the news. They like to schedule as, as fast as possible. I'm changing the tests, honestly. And I don't care if it takes an extra day or two or maybe even three. If I can get the tests on Monday and get the, accurate, the utmost accurate results on Friday, I'll take that over, tested Monday, and I'll get eh, 75% sure on Tuesday afternoon. I... I'm just trying to be accurate. I don't care how long it takes. I'm the NFL. I have plenty of money. These TV, I'm the number one TV show on like three networks. TV networks will wait for me. Fans will too. Season must go on in a healthy manner. That way the, the health of the players is prioritized. And we're just going to get out of here scot-free. Hopefully, if the virus is taken care of case by case. But I'm, I'm waiting. I'm prioritizing accuracy. And I don't care how long it takes. Yeah, I'm going to take it a step further, and this might be a hot take. Well, not really. But the NBA did it. The NHL did it. Why not give the playoffs a bubble? Why not? What's the harm in that? Like you said, Jason, the tests are kind of all over the place. Teams are out there getting exposed because they're, they're traveling from state to state. Different states have different hot spots. 
why not just put a bubble in there in somewhere where there's no, you know, like there's many stadiums that are well-equipped to handle, you know, a bubble situation like this. Now I understand you can't exactly just go to Disney world and, and camp out there, but like you said, Jason, the NFL has the money and the resources where they could easily figure it out. And, you know, I know it would be a huge ask for that to happen, but I mean, I would argue the season's in jeopardy right now with all the with everything that's going on with COVID and everything. So why not put a bubble in there? I mean, that's just if I'm the commissioner, that's the, that's the safest bet for me to put the to keep the playoffs going and to keep the season going. And I can give you a why not because legit, like in theory, I agree with you. Let's bubble it. Let's do it. Let's do whatever it takes. But logistically, 53 men roster, 32 teams, all one That's location. The challenge. Yeah. 1,700 players. We have to find hotels. We have to find accommodations. We have to find, like the, the NBA turned ballrooms into basketball courts. You can't turn ballrooms into football fields. Where are you going to be in America that you know doesn't, you know isn't a COVID hotspot that you can find like six football fields on one campus? Like NFL regulated fields. <laughs> I don't That's think that challenge. place exists and you have to find accommodations for 1700 players never mind coach staff everyone <laughs> that that's just a talk logistically I totally agree with you bubbling is is probably the number one solution on my pecking order but logistically I just don't see it happening yeah even then like I think we're past the point of going into a bubble we're in the middle of a season now you can't ju- you're not going to pause right and go into a 6 month hiatus just to find a bubble which would Ideally, I would think would be Dallas, Texas. You have Jerry World. You have AT&T Stadium right there. You can use the Rangers' new ballpark and convert that into a new state, into a football field. You still have the Rangers' old stadium that can be used, plus all the college stadiums and high school fields around there because you know how big high school football is in Texas. Yeah, I was, so thinking, I, I was thinking more along the lines of just the playoffs, but yeah, go ahead. Even then, but like, still, to get that underway and wrapped up, find – I think we're past the point of a bubble. How you solve this, you just gonna have to power through any, but in order to stop the spread from team to team and let teams have the time to recover is any game that, you know, is threatened by COVID. You just wipe off the schedule and you tack on to the end of the year. You have extra weeks. You have week 18, 19, et cetera, whatever you have to do to get those games in. And if that means you delay the playoffs by that reason, then fine. But that's, I think that's the only solution. But I don't want to wipe games. I don't want to have teams forfeit. I just think the best thing to do is let give teams the time to recover. And this is only going to get worse. We're heading into flu season. And especially places like here in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, it's going to get worse here before it gets better. So you need to have – you need to give these teams and teams in those, region, in those regions time to recover. And then you just tack the games on to the end of the year and you play them then, regardless of – you know, whether, you know, they're missing their starting quarterback to a leg injury or to COVID, you could, you just wipe it off the schedule and you put it on to the end of the year. And then you play the playoffs after that. Once every game has been played, that's how I would solve it. But we're looking ahead to the future. Uh, hopefully we get the Super Bowl at some point this year. We don't know when, but in due time, we will give you our thoughts way too early Super Bowl predictions next year in the final call. Back on the final call, 
segment of the final call is brought to you by New England Sports United.com. Written by the one and only Jason Snow. New England Sports United, written for New England. First of all, a great publication. Second of all, that's not <laughs> <Katy> Perry. <laughs> yeah, where's Katy Perry at? Are, are we upset? Do we want to restart the segment? Nope, nope. Listen, no, the show must go on. Jason Snow, ladies and gentlemen, big Katy Perry fan. So wait, Jason, if that's not Katy Perry, can you tell me who that is? Andrew, I can only name like three songs <laughs> under the sun. I couldn't even I can tell play you. all of them I on can't the piano. Even. Like it, it's really not close. Fun fact, right. listeners, I can play the piano. That's right. Weird brag. You can play oh, it weird brag. Well. This is just random. <laughs> he mentioned okay. it. I said right, you can right, play right. it, just not very well. Boom, roasted. All right. Anyways, we're, we're doing way too early Super Bowl predictions. Jason, so far, which teams would you consider to be true Super Bowl contenders? Well, yeah, Andrew, there, there's a list of probably every year, I would say there's like four to five, potentially maybe even six, um, depending on the strength of the league and stuff that are, you could c- categorize as true Super Bowl contenders, no fool's gold here. And, and my list probably goes as follows. So Kansas City leads off my list. There's no doubt about it. Kansas City is a, is a legit Super Bowl contender. I would actually put the I'm like no not in order or anything, but Chiefs I'd put there. Ravens I would still put in there. Caliber team, absolutely. I'd put the Packers in there as well. I wouldn't have put them in preseason, um, but it's a fireworks show every, show every week, and they have a Hall of Fame quarterback and a, and a pretty good coach. So I'll, I'll put them in the bubble. Uh, those are probably my top three. Outside of that, there's a couple kind of on the outside looking in that I want to see some more from. Um, I, I would put the Seahawks in that. Can they get a pass rush? Can they protect Russell Wilson? Can they not have Russell Wilson have fireworks shows every week and win strictly because of him and nothing else? That remains to be seen. Rams, I'm not super high on. As a Super Bowl-level team, playoffs, absolutely. But Super Bowl, ah, I need a couple more weeks on that. Buffalo, I think, is is my fifth. I think they're in there. Uh, but the Patriots with Cam, they've impressed me, but give me a couple more weeks. But give me Ravens, Chiefs, Green Bay. I'll put Buffalo in there for now, and, and I'll put Seattle in there too. All right, Ben, who's in your Super Bowl bubble? So I have four teams that I think they have a legitimate shot at winning the Super Bowl, and then there's some others that kind of fall below that. But my four teams that I for sure think have a chance are the Kansas City Chiefs, number one, obviously. I mean – no introduction there. I mean, you know the deal with the Chiefs. I actually have the Seahawks. Now, I know, Jason, you want to see a little more, and I agree with you. Yeah. I think that you know their defense definitely needs help. They need a pass rush. Russell Wilson can't be putting up 30 points a game every game. That I mean, if you need that to win, that's, that's not great. But I just think if the Seahawks oh, – the Seahawks are so – like I – I just have a lot of faith in the Seahawks. Maybe it's because I picked them making it to the Super Bowl this year. Maybe it's that bias, but I have the Seahawks in there. And then, as you mentioned, the Packers have been playing, you know, some of the best football in Aaron Rodgers' career, if, if we're being honest. Aaron Rodgers has been playing lights out. They're leading the league in scoring per game. They've been out unreal. And I got to put the Ravens in there as well. Great defense. We all know about Lamar Jackson. He's a star. I think they got it figured out over there. They had that one speed bump with Kansas City. They just played a hot team. But I, th- I think the Ravens are going to be in that discussion. Teams that I would say they're in, they're in my bubble, Kansas City, obviously, the Ravens. And this is no particular order. I just kind of did it by conference. 
I had the Steelers in there. I think the Steelers could be a dark horse. I don't think the Ravens are going to run away with the AFC North this year. Um, so the Steelers are, could definitely be a team. I got the Seahawks, the Packers, and I'll throw the Rams in there as well. I like their defense. I think you have Sean McVay. He's played calling. He's back up to snuff after what it was two years ago. He had kind of a down year last year. Jared Goff has done well this season, and obviously Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. I love the, I love those two. That defense is playing really well. So I, I, those are my six teams that I would consider in there. There, but there are teams that you know I considered that you know considered, but ultimately like, eh, you can't really exactly make a strong enough case for. Was there anything like that for you guys? Yes, there was. Some teams that I'm kind of not too high on, but I think they have a chance. The Bills is one of them. You know, I like what I'm seeing from them right now. Josh Allen has taken huge steps this year. I mean, he improved last year from his first year, but now he's he's even improved even more. Sean McDermott is has also improved as a coach. I like what I'm seeing from them. I just it's it's gonna take a lot for this Bills team to for me to say, oh, they they can make it to the Super Bowl. It's just it's they're a young team. It's just very, very, in my mind, it just seems like a bit far-fetched to put them in the Super Bowl. I think they can get there in the future. I just don't think this year is it. Also, how about Josh Norman? That was a great pickup for them. I think that was huge for their defense. But moving on, I think the Bears are another team. Um, We saw in that game against Tampa Bay, who is my other team. We'll talk about them in a second. But the Bears didn't play well on offense at all. But their defense was the one that kind of held them together. And we're still able to pull up, pull out a victory on Thursday Night Football. So I like the Bears. You know, I think their defense is stellar, but you know their offense just needs to play better. Nick Foles did not have a great game, and you know I hope he's the starter going forward because I think they have a better shot with him than with Trubisky. But yeah, I mean the Bears definitely have a shot, but you know I still think the Packers are winning that division, and it's not close for me. But last but not least, the Buccaneers. What are we doing? I was very mad about this game. Oh, my Lord. Tom Brady forgot what down and distance it was. Now, I think that that has to rub off on the coaching because you got guys in your ear. Like, that's just miscommunication all around. And if we're talking miscommunication, how about 11 penalties for over 100 yards for the Buccaneers? A lot of that was the offensive line. Garbage. They need to figure some stuff out if they're going to compete with, you know, the Saints in that division and potentially make a push for the Super Bowl. So I don't see them making the Super Bowl this year, but those would be my three teams that I'm kind of circling as, you know, they could get there, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I mentioned uh, some teams in my opening about kind of on the outside looking in, in, in from my perspective. I forgot to mention the Bucks in my bubble. I'm, they're, they're absolutely in it, but I do want to rebut, and I, I know this isn't like a debate topic necessarily, but I do want to kind of push back on the Bears thing. Okay. Yes, they're four and one. Absolutely. Great. They're flashy. Yep. You know, their first three games were against the Giants, the Lions, and the Falcons, a combined record of one and 11. Like, can we slow down? Can we slow down on the Bears? And sure, they squeaked out a win last night at home against a Florida team. Come on. Like, this team is, they're fool's gold to me. I, you can look at them on record and be like, yeah, they're four and one. They're, they're, they're in the upper echelon, but ab- absolutely not. I don't think they're very dynamic offensively, even with a let it rip guy, Nick Foles. I, I just don't believe it. Uh, give me, 
I need to make my mind up on this. And I've been saying this for like a couple of days now on the, on the bears. I don't buy them at all. Let me decide like week 14. And if they're like, if they somehow miraculously get like 10 and 10 and four at that point in the season, let me make up my mind, but I don't buy the bears. Um, but another team kind of, they, I need to see more. Absolutely. Like I need half their resume, half the resume has been printed so far, but I, I want to see more from the Colts. Keep an eye on the Colts. Great defense, great offensive line and, and Phillip rivers, not necessarily dynamic at all. <laughs> hasn't been for a couple of years now, but they're like a quarterback away. And if Phillip rivers can get, get, you know, hot at the end of the year, who knows what can happen with that defense and that offensive line. I, like I said, need to see more obviously, but, I don't know. The Colts might be a recipe for success. I knew it was only a matter of time before Jason started talking about the Colts. <laughs> I know. Hey, best defense, best offensive line. That's going to carry you. Yep. So I'm going to agree with you on the Bears, Jason. I don't think the Bears are really a true contender yet. I think their defense puts them close, but they're not. I wouldn't even put them in that second tier. They're like third or fourth tier for me. And I, But I also disagree with you on the Colts because I think Phillip Rivers is a turnover waiting to happen. So I'm out on the Colts. Uh, but, Ben, I agree with you in the Bucks. They're undisciplined. The offense hasn't lived up to the hype so far, and that's not Brady's fault. I mean, injuries, just offense has not been what we thought it would be Penalties, so far. yep. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. And I think Bruce Arians is a moron. Eventually, his coaching, I think, is going to come back to bite them. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you on the Bills. They're talented. Teams on the rise. But they're not in that elite class just yet. They're not with the Chiefs. They're not with the Ravens. And I also, I don't trust Josh Allen fully yet either. Kind of like Phillip Rivers. I think he's a turnover waiting to happen. Eventually, he's going to throw a pick. He's going to throw a ball up there that, you know, he's just ill-advised in the triple coverage, trying to force a pass. It's bound to happen with him. I I just don't think he's got that that decision-making factor just yet. But one team that I think you guys failed to mention, the Arizona Cardinals. I considered them for a Super Bowl team, but a lot because Kyler Murray, a lot of people have comparing him to Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in their second years, which deservingly so. But he doesn't have the same level of talent surrounding him that they did. You know, Lamar last year had 11 Pro Bowlers just on offense with him. And now you have... And Pat Mahomes has the best set of weapons that maybe anyone's ever had. Maybe I saw the Peyton Manning in his prime of the Colts. So I consider the Cardinals, but that's ultimately why I didn't put them in there with my Super Bowl teams. Ben, you look a little upset. Look at that division, man. Look at that division. I know. I, Division's tough. Super Bowl? I don't know, man. The, the I, Cardinals, I didn't say they were. I said that I considered them. I didn't no, say I know. They were. But I, I think... They they have ways to go for me for for the Cardinals. They I have agree. ways to go. I agree. This this one might you know upset you, Andrew, but they're not even going to sniff a playoff spot. I'm sorry. You think so? Absolutely not. They they are just now getting through the easy part of their schedule. Sure, they they opened up with a San Francisco team, a healthy San Francisco team, and beat them on the road. Yeah, but Washington at home, they faced the Lions. They lost to Carolina. That's not a great loss, right there. Sure, they faced the Jets this week and the Cowboys who, you know, Ben could probably go out there and score a touchdown against the Cowboys right now. But after that, <laughs> but after that, it's Seahawks, Bills, Seahawks again, Patriots on the road, by the way, Rams, and Giants, that's an, that's an easy win. Eagles, that's a 
you know, depending on Carson Wentz mood. And then the 49ers again, and then the Rams. Like that, that's, I just named like eight solid opponents, most of them in division. And Ben, you just mentioned a great division. But if you have to go to the division games, which are already tough to begin with, and then you got like Patriots in there, you've got Bills in there. I, I see like, I see a lot of losses stacking up. I don't think they'll be anywhere near the playoff spot. They, they might finish fourth in, in their division. Jason, also, are you saying the Patriots are not going to be better than 5-11? and 11? <laughs> I said that like three weeks ago. They, they surprised me. And look, I'm, I'm a huge Kyler Murray fan. I love Kyler Murray, but to put him in the same category as Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, let's wait a little bit. Yeah, not even close. Let's wait a little I'm bit. I'm not comparing him to them. I said you other just people did. have been. I said it's fair, but like I said, he doesn't have the same help. I think he's just as dynamic as the both of them. He's made some great plays this, so far this season. I think Kyler Murray is a star in the making, but he's not Lamar yeah. Jackson. He's not Pat Mahomes he's yet. Not, he's not there yet. He's but not you, there I, yet. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the trajectory. He's not there yet, but Lamar, again, had 11 Pro Bowlers last year, just on offense, helping him. Pat Mahomes, greatest set of weapons in the NFL right now. Kyler Murray is the best receiver in the league, don't forget. But just the best receiver in his league, but he also has... Larry Fitzgerald? Larry Fitzgerald averages like a pass, a, a catch a game. Larry Fitzgerald's old. He's Larry Fitzgerald's washed up. I love Larry. Oh, he's respected. I hope this he gets Super Bowl eventually in his career. I really do. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer for me. But he's over the hill now. Larry Fitzgerald is washed up. You heard it here first, folks, on the final. Larry call. Fitzgerald's washed up. Larry Fitzgerald's over the hill. I love him. Oh, I love the man, but he's not Larry Fitzgerald's not a 20 uh, 2009 uh, Larry Fitzgerald anymore. And I don't think that's really a hot take. <laughs> uh, you might be a little over your skis on, on Arizona in the same way that I'm over my skis. Like wait, like I'm tripping down the hill on, on Indianapolis. Like I'm way over <laughs> Indianapolis. That, oh man. Arizona to you is, is Indianapolis to me. Let's just say that. Okay. Right, I'm surprised. Fine. I'm surprised Andrew doesn't have Dallas in his bubble. No. <laughs> Please, after the way they've played, you gave up, what, 40 to the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, no, you're, you're gone. Dak Prescott lighting it up. I know, but what's the defense doing? What's the defense I doing? I know, garbage, I know. Shouldn't have drafted C.D. Lamb. Should have got a corner. Yep. Hey, Cowboys, listen to me more in the offseason. Listen to me more. Shouldn't have paid Demarcus Lawrence that much money. Now he's yeah. feeling complacent. Marcus Lawrence without the D. <laughs> <laughs> the jury is still out on the Cowboys. Yes. No, I don't think they're out. The Cowboys suck. The, the entire NFC East sucks. They're, that's an abysmal division. You can go 4-12 and 12 and win that division. I you know. Could, that's scary. You could make a pretty good argument that no one in the NFC East should make the playoffs. Just disqualify them all? Just disqualify them. <laughs> they're, they're, all, they're all terrible. They're all going to lose in the first round anyway. So... Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the, the the Eagles are a lot better than the record says. I, I, I don't know, Ben and I, you are we were kind of high on the Eagles going into the season. We were, right. but after seeing after seeing, oh man, I know they have yeah. a banged up O line, but Carson Wentz just is not impressing me. I thought he'd be a lot better. I, you know, why? Because we're all kind of hung up on the 2017 Carson Wentz when he, you know, before he got injured when he was playing like an MVP, and we know that that's where his ceiling is and he just yep. hasn't gotten back to that whether it be because of injuries or whatever the case may be an injured o-line whatever he's just not that guy i don't know what it is it's i don't know it's i don't know i've just been disappointed with the eagles those are super Bowl predictions game five of the nba finals is tonight do the lakers wrap it up do the heat have a chance our thoughts next here on the final call 
It's a big night in the NBA for number 23 of the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James. Before, before we get into that, though, this segment is brought to you by the Scoreboard Times. Show your passion while you're here. Written by the one and only Andrew Fantuccio. Hey. Ben, this is a big night <laughs> for the Lakers tonight. They could potentially tie the Celtics in all-time championships. I know that means a lot to you. Um, so, with that being said, how do you see the game tonight being played out? Game 5, Heat versus Lakers. Lakers up 3-1 can potentially clinch it tonight. means a lot. It's a big night for me. What does the game mean tonight? It means a lot. And I think the Lakers come out on top here. And, you know, I, the Heat are an exciting team. The Heat, you know, they've been playing with fire these entire playoffs. They rolled through the Eastern Conference. Um, I got to give a lot of credit to, you know, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, who I know was hurt this series, Goran Dragic, who was hurt this series as well. They they both had great playoffs. But the Lakers are just too much, man. They're, they're just too much. LeBron, Anthony Davis, they both of them have been going off. We'll, we'll debate who gets uh, finals MVP in a second. But, you know, both of those guys are observing of it. And, you know, they're wearing their Mamba jerseys tonight, which is basically a guaranteed victory at this point. So... <laughs> I like the Lakers coming out on top here, but as you mentioned, that means they're going to be tied with the Celtic for most titles with 17, which, you know, hurts my soul, And but whatever. I want to say the Heat have a fight in them. I do. I, I don't want to count the Heat out, but yeah, I think this series is over after tonight. I think the Lakers wrap it up. Uh, LeBron is 3-0 in closeout games, and as much as I don't think that really matters, it, I think this time it kind of does. This series is over after tonight. Heat put up a great fight, but I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that this series goes beyond five or even six games. Yeah, I think the Lakers, you know, finish it up tonight. Uh, and it kind of fits something I've been saying for, for quite a while now, dating back to the Denver series, is that all these quote-unquote threats who everyone's like, oh, the Lakers better be careful of, and then they all foil when they face LeBron. Like, the, the Blazers, the, the Houston Rockets, and the, the Nuggets, they were like, oh, wow, they're going to really present a real legitimate challenge to the Lakers. And then they foil in five games. And then going into this heat, the Heat-Lakers series, I gave the, the Heat two games in this. I thought they were going to go to six. I think it's going to go five tonight. Um, but even it was like, yeah, the Heat, you know, they play hard. Duncan Robinson, when he's hitting Tyler Hero, they're going to be really good in this series. And and they shrank. They, they did. And... I think LeBron is going to be finals MVP. And, and it's really funny how a lot of people, you know, categorize LeBron's finals performances. But in the grand scheme of things, you could say, like, coming out of the series, you could probably say, you know, LeBron wasn't as aggressive with his shot as he has been in the past. I think that's a fair, you know, characteristic of this series. And then you look at his averages, and they're like, they're like 27, 11, and 8. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, could have been more aggressive, but still putting up like incredible stats. Like, how does that land for you, Ben? Like, who is the Finals MVP in this series? For me, it's LeBron James. I mean, he leads he leads the Lakers in pretty much every category: points, assists, rebounds, steals, blocks, everything. Um, so yeah, I got to give it to LeBron here. And I mean, honorable mention, obviously, to Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis has been the guy kind of carrying the scoring load here. But in terms of just, you know, all-around dominance, it's got to be LeBron. And he's a leader of that team. 
I would give it to LeBron, but Anthony Davis has definitely been showing out. But, you know, it's kind of the people that are saying that he needs to be like more aggressive with his shot. They're just they're just complaining because he's not averaging over 30 a game, which, you know, like who who cares if you're averaging 11 assists? Who cares? You know, so I mean, 27 points isn't exactly an off night, but yeah, I got to give it to LeBron here and you know, it's his, it'll, it'll be his fourth finals MVP, but um, yeah, it, it'd be between him or Anthony Davis. But if I had to choose, I'd probably pick LeBron. I'm going to go with LeBron too. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that it's LeBron for this series. As, as the MVP, and I, I think it all comes down to Game Three, that one Miami win. LeBron was the best player for the Lakers in that game. You know, AD kind of fell off. LeBron has been the most consistent. He's been their best player. AD's had the higher peaks. AD's maybe had you know Game One, all Anthony Davis, but mm-hmm. you know LeBron still played well in that game. He played well in Game Two, Game Three, Game Four, and I'd imagine that LeBron's going to have a, a career night tonight. Ooh, a career night. Like, what, what does a career night look like? I just want to clarify. I think he'll have a finals performance to remember. Not, not, no. I, I don't think he'll have, like, versus the Celtics game six type of night. But, I mean, uh, LeBron's going to make sure this series ends tonight. I'd say, would you say his averages were 27, 11, and 8? I think he gets a triple-double tonight. Yeah. Like, over under 30 points, yeah. 25, 13, and 12. Wow. That's a well-rounded game. But, like, my MVP, my finals MVP is obviously LeBron. Like, I don't know if this is a Big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, banana boat crew all the way. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just... So, I don't know if this is a gut thing. And it probably is. I don't know if the numbers back me up on this. I haven't, you know, researched it. But when LeBron goes to the bench, it just seems like something's off. Something is, like, Yes, a little stagnant through Anthony Davis all the time. But when Anthony Davis goes to the bench, it's it's like a fluent. Like I have just have a lot more confidence, and the Lakers just have a lot more life when LeBron's on the court. Like when LeBron goes to the bench, I'm like, can they like, you know, can they keep up? Like, are things going to hold the form here? Like, what's going to happen? Well, that was the story throughout the entire regular season. I, I I can't give you the exact numbers, but I know we mentioned it a million times on the show. Is that when LeBron's on the court, I think the Lakers and offensive an offensive efficiency are like top three in the league. When he's off the court, they drop to bottom five. I mean, it's it's insane how the gap between when LeBron's on the court for the Lakers and when he's off the court. So I mean, LeBron might play a full forty-eight tonight. Just Sounds to make like sure valuable to me, Ben. Sounds like valuable to me. Yep. Uh, hey, like I said, he's gonna win Finals MVP in my opinion. So. But like you know, for Miami's sake, if there's a saving grace, and I know the whole world is picking against them right now, and that might be kind of a motivational thing for a team that's already kind of humming uh, on that side. Like that team loves being doubted. It seems they just fuel on it. Yep. Is there a saving grace where Jimmy Butler could you know step up and play like he did in Game Three? That was kind of an outlier, but is there a chance of you know like a twenty percent chance where Jimmy Butler just has another game where he's just stuffing the stat sheet and, and bam? Is healthier than he than he was yesterday, and he's you know he's a sh- not a, not a shell of himself, but he's more in his true form than he has been in games past. Like, is there a saving grace for Miami? Absolutely, I think I think you saw Jimmy Butler step up in Game Three because he knew that if they lost Game Three, the series was over in four. I think yeah. he knows that you know his the, Jimmy Butler's a fighter. 
I think Jimmy Butler's out on a mission to, to show that he's a top 10 player in the league. I've been saying he's top 15. You know, I think if he wins tonight, I mean, I'll really start to reconsider it. Not that I haven't been already, but like he'll really like make a case at this point. I think he, he's determined, but he's going to need like, like, you know, uh, you know, bam to play on, you know, with, uh, with a shoulder injury. And he's also gonna need Tyler Hero and Duncan Robson to step up with a, uh, um, Goran Dragic out. You're going to need Andre Iguodala to be play lockdown defense out on the perimeter. You're going to need Jay Crowder to be a pass. Like it can happen, but every single heat player has to play with a hundred percent effort, a hundred percent motivation to get there. But there, I wouldn't, I don't want to completely rule the heat out winning game five either. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, their margin for error is like, I've been saying it's, it's razor thin in the whole series as a whole, but especially tonight, they need every, they need LeBron to like have a sniffle. They need, they need Anthony Davis to like turn an ankle. They need uh, Jay Crowder and Kelly Olenek to, you know, combine for like 12 threes. Like they need everything to go their way. And I know the world is betting against him, but for a team like Miami, that's been doubted throughout this whole playoffs, not favored in any of the series virtually, maybe outside the Indiana series. They've been underdogs throughout this whole thing. So maybe they fuel on this going forward. But another question I haven't, we've been talking about a lot, the Lakers bench and LeBron's certainly going to take the forefront of, of everything tonight. And he's going to control it. Like he's never controlled anything before, but can the Lakers get a full, like, can they afford to not have their bench all in tonight? Can they afford to have Kuzma and KCP combined for, you know, inefficient, like, does everything need to go? Like, is LeBron going to take over tonight, essentially, all the way? I don't know if he's going to take over, but to answer your question about the bench, I think the bench really needs to – they can't They can't flop here. Like, they need to step yeah. up, and they need to be really good. Kuzma needs to be hitting. Um, KCP needs to be hitting. You know, like, these guys need to be on point tonight because this is it, right? I mean, this is a closeout game. I know it's a seven-game series, but this is it. Like, you don't want this game to go longer than five or this series to go longer than five rather. And so, yeah, to answer your question that absolutely these guys need to be on point tonight. Cause if they're not LeBron is, you know, he, he, he can have those performances where he can just carry the team on his back, but it's obviously a lot better if your entire team is hitting. And I know that Anthony Davis is also, you know, top five player in the league and he's been playing like it thus far, but you can't just rely on those two guys. You got to get the whole squad involved. I think that is really important, and especially when you know the Miami Heat are going to throw everything they have at you. Yep. So you need a full team effort. That's where championships are won. That's where, especially closeout games are won. Like there are little moments, and not little moments, but there are moments in each game that individual players stand out. Was the collection of those moments, the collective effort of the team that wins the game? Like we all remember the great block from LeBron in uh, Game Seven against the Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not in a position to make that block and for that block to be as legendary as it was without the rest of the Cavs showing up and putting him in the position to make that play. Moments Kyrie get re- had a great mo- game that game. Moments yep. get remembered, but games are won because of the team. 100%. Right. Like, I just want to like revisit kind of the moves that went through the offseason. Like going, in, going into this season, what it seems like 18 months ago, what, probably close to that, um, Dwight Howard was not wanted by any team. Like he went unsigned, like nobody wanted him, cut him. Markeith Morris was on the waiver wire. KCP, we were like, eh, you know, can he stick around? Like, is he good? Anthrade was worth it. And then Frank Vogel, who comes in and was like, okay, is this a guy that LeBron's going to control? Is this a guy that LeBron's going to, you know, kind of squish in the grand scheme of things? Frank Vogel, 
Are you like, he's a really good coach. Like I think, you know, he flies under the radar a lot because he has like LeBron running the show. But Mm -hmm. if you look at Frank Vogel and the adjustments he's made in making people comfortable in that system with some rigid personalities, with a Dwight Howard, with a Rondo, with with a LeBron, I think it's an impressive job by Vogel. What say you guys? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Frank Vogel has stepped into kind of not an impossible task, but, you know, you ask a coach to come in and take a franchise that, you know, before they had Vogel, it was kind of, they had Luke Walton. And, you know, like when Magic Johnson was running things, it was a complete mess. You know, like they drafted Lonzo Ball, they had Brandon Ingram. It was kind of just all over the place. Then you basically trade the entire farm for Anthony Davis, which, you know, obviously paid out. But, and then you bring in Frank Vogel and it's kind of like, all right, you got to write the ship here. You got to make this back into a winning culture. Now, I know you have the best player in the world, LeBron James, but you got to, you know, you got to figure it out. And to your point, he has. And, you know, he's in the finals because of it and in position to win the finals tonight. So I think Frank Vogel is, is definitely, you know, he's a competent coach. He's a good coach. You know, he's not on that, you know, Greg Popovich, you know, level of head coaches. And I don't think, you know, not a lot of people are, but, you know, Frank Vogel is a good coach. And he can win games, and you know he has a chance of winning a championship here tonight. I don't want to say so much the moves and what changed there; it's the culture that changed a lot for the Lakers. Magic Johnson gone, the Bus family, their feuds kind of is finally over. Um, Luke Walton wasn't working out there. Um, you know, I, I think what really changed was the culture, and it, it really you can cite guys like J.R. Smith, Dion Waiters. Uh, Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo, guys who have kind of classically been known as head cases in this league, who have clashed with their coaches, clashed with their teammates, but they're finally in a culture, in a position to win. I think that's what the culture is, that they're, it's a winning team. They weren't that last year. They traded the farm for Anthony Davis to make themselves winners. They brought in a guy like Frank Vogel, someone who didn't need to be the X's no star head coach, but someone who could just manage all the, the tumultuous per, uh, personalities. I think it's a great culture in Miami. I mean, in Los Angeles, I mean, a great culture in Miami too, but culture is so much, and then, but you have the talent in L.A. Yeah, winning solves all. That's, a, that's kind of a saying in the NFL, like winning on Sunday cures everything. It, it can cure, you know, to rest in the, in the front office. It can cure, you know, being on thin ice and, as players. Um, another thing, though, a little nugget of a, a stat, I've been deep diving in some stats recently, is 56-0. and 0 the Lakers are when leading after the third quarter. That's <laughs> like this, like playoffs in regular season, obviously that is an amazing stat. Like usually you'd be like, okay, maybe they're, they're winning by one. Is that all time or. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's this year. Yeah. That's, that's this year, but it's the best of all time. Like that. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. It's an NBA record. One of like 20 LeBron owns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I had to do it, Ben. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but what does that say to... I know people come off as LeBron as clutch, and I, I'll make this argument, is that if we're talking about LeBron's clutch gene, is that, sure, he doesn't have the dramatic moments, despite having more buzzer beaters in the playoffs than several other NBA legends, um, some that play for the Bulls. Um, <laughs> I knew it. Oh, man. LeBron doesn't, maybe doesn't have those signature moments. He doesn't have the jumper over, over um, Brian Russell. He doesn't have you know, the shot on Elo, got it, for the win. 
but LeBron's clutch is defined in, you know, you win by eight instead of a, at the buzzer. Like his wins are like, oh my gosh, we're down by like four at the end of three quarters. And then we win by eight. Like it's a dramatic swing. It's not like, oh my gosh, my, I'm at the edge of my seat. But it's, I think it's better in a way. Ben, would you like to comment on that, please? First of all, real subtle, Jason. Real subtle. Didn't say his name. You didn't have to. <laughs> but, um, oh, man, LeBron is clutch. Not the, most clutch. Writing, Not the most clutch of all time, but it's a different story. <clears throat> anyway, um, he's had great moments, and I expect, you know, another great moment tonight. So he has uh, one of the greatest players ever, but he's, he's not the GOAT. And he's, he's just not. But he is very impressive, and I have the utmost respect for LeBron. And I expect him to win a finals MVP. And I expect him to be, to be clutch tonight and close out the heat. So there you go. That was not quite the answer I was looking for, Ben. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I kind of lobbed it up there for you to, you know, <laughs> to maybe have a saving I'm, grace and uh, I'm trying your to be, senses there. I'm trying to be a good boy right now. And I'm trying <laughs> to just, you know. Andrew, any comments on LeBron's clutch? Like, what do you say about LeBron's clutch? I know you're kind of indifferent about this, kind of impartial third party here. What do you say about LeBron's clutch? Where do you lie on it? Uh, the evidence doesn't lie. LeBron is one of the clutchest players in the history of the NBA. How many times have we gone and seen him go out there and hit game-winning shots, game-winning blocks? I mean, he, he does it. Uh, game in, game out. When, when it's time to play, like maybe, you know, Ben, you say this all the time, Jordan – played 82 games, I don't know how many seasons in a row, but a ton of times, right? LeBron's never played 82 games in one season. He did but LeBron, once, but yeah, go ahead. Like, whenever, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, because honestly, it really doesn't matter. But, you know, we'll talk, LeBron's always there when it matters. LeBron's reliable, he's consistent in big moments, and that's what clutch is. He come through in the moment. That's what David Ortiz was for the Red Sox. That's what Tom Brady was for the Patriots. You know, that's what Kobe was for the Lakers. Clutch what players. was for the Bulls. Clutch play. I, Okay. See that? See those? Uh, those? Those like, fans that's the thing, like, are really that's I mean, like, You yeah, brought like, them up. But like the point is, like it doesn't matter. Like I, I didn't have to mention Jordan just because I didn't mention doesn't mean he's not a part of the group. I just ah. those are the three guys that came into my head. Like for me, you did like, mention Jordan though. He, I didn't say his name. No, I, I, I said I wouldn't. Andrew, did. I mentioned Jordan. Oh, okay. I mentioned. I know I mentioned Jordan, but I wasn't discrediting him as clutch. Gotcha. I, just, I just I had to I had to say it I had to just just to make Jason Snow grimace over there. Anyways, LeBron is clutch. Um, he's there when it matters, and that's what clutch is. See, just to give people a look behind the velvet curtain is going going into the segment. We had a tirade about some like jargon, some crazy lunatic spiel about how some guy who played for the Bulls is better than Jordan. I mean, better than LeBron. And I came into this segment with a vow, with an oath, saying I wouldn't say the guy's name. However. on the Bulls. But I did just now slipping it. But through this whole segment, I didn't. No, but you did say, you did imply multiple times by saying a Bulls player or the shot over Brian Russell or the shot over Craig Elo. Who else was that? And that'll do it for episode 45 of The Final Call. It's been (laughs) a pleasure, you know, wherever you've been listening. But uh, yeah. Once again, for Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Maymaritis, and LeBron James, and Jason Snow, this has been episode 45 of The Final Call. I'll see you guys next week. Jordan's the GOAT.
some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion